Welcome to Talking for the Health of It with Permanente Medicine. I'm Amy Kaiser, Communication Coordinator. Today I'm joined by a guest host, Lisa Carpenter, for a special episode about partnering with your clinician for the best menopausal care. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm Lisa Carpenter, the Senior Director for Health Engagement. Amy and I will be joined by Dr. Dipali Kathari for this episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm Dr. Dipali Kotari. I'm a board-certified OBGYN with the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group. I'm a certified menopause practitioner with the North American Menopause Society and a fellow of the International Society of Women's Sexual Health. I see members at the Burke Medical Center. So thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to do this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Kothari. So I'm really excited about this episode because it's one of those topics that you hear the word often, but you have so much uncertainty or, or lack of clarity as to what it means. And so um, menopause is something that, you know, is a a topic that in, in the past was very, um, yeah, it was one of those taboo kind of conversations. And so I'm really glad that we're talking about this because it's it's uh, it's important. And I'm excited that you're here to um, help us uh, learn more about menopause. And so uh, with that in mind, can you tell us what is menopause? So thank you so much. This is such an important topic, Lisa. Menopause is basically a period in time when which marks the end of the reproductive cycle or the end of the menstrual cycle, right? So when a person does not have their periods for a whole year, they are basically considered menopausal. One thing I always specify to patients is the changes start way before menopause. So when people say, oh, you know, when will I be menopausal? I usually tell them the changes are on a spectrum. It's like when you were going through puberty and you started having all the changes. So one by one, you may start noticing some changes in your body. But essentially, menopause is when you don't have your periods for a full year. And Dr. Kathari, could you tell us a little bit more about why it's so important for women to talk about menopause? So, you know, for the longest time in society and as physicians, we focus so much on the reproductive phase, the pregnancy, the contraception. But we forget that there's a whole subset of women um, starting in their 40s and going all the way into their, you know, 70s and 80s who who have uh, changes in their body, hormonal changes, physical and mental changes. And this is a huge subset of population that has its own unique um, issues, its own unique, you know, uh, medical care. And so it's, you know, it's high time we start recognizing what is going on with this population and how can we help them. Before you experience or before a person experiences menopause, I imagine that there's a period of time where you may start to have some changes. And so I've heard the term perimenopause used. What exactly is perimenopause? So perimenopause is the phase leading to menopause. It's basically, it means round menopause. So the maximum changes that a person feels is usually three to four years before menopause. And then they, it kind of goes into three to four years after menopause. So that is when you will have the most symptoms. So, for example, when when someone when someone was undergoing puberty, right? They didn't just become an adult one day. They 
their bodies just went through the series of little by little changes, right? In the same way, there's a lot of different little and big things that happen as someone starts going through their 40s, right? And sometimes they may not notice it. So it's, you know, it's for us and for them, you know, to advocate and to say, what's going on with you? So the first change is usually in their 40s, sometimes early, sometimes late 40s, is have your cycles changed? So they may say, oh, you know, oh yeah, it has changed a little bit. I feel like my cycles are shorter, they're heavier, they're crampier. And then they will start noticing other changes, you know, hot flashes. It's not like in the movies where people are covered in sweat. It's sometimes it's just having a hard time regulating your body temperature. Then they would start talking about night sweat. So I'm waking up a couple of times at night because I feel so hot. I throw off my sheets and put them back on. And then they would notice that their sleep is getting really messed up, which has a huge impact on life. And there's so many other little changes that happen, right? Mental changes, like they feel like their mood is off. Sometimes they get more irritated and their libido has reduced and then they'll start having vaginal dryness. So, you know, not everybody has everything, but it's important to kind of go through all these symptoms and say, what are you having? Tell me, how are you feeling today? And how have you felt in the last year? And and then they will start, oh, yeah, I can, I can, oh, yeah, this is what's happening. And I couldn't figure out what's going on. I thought it was all in your head. And the first thing I tell them is I validate them. It's really important to validate them saying, no, it's not in your head. It is real. And we are here to help you. You mentioned earlier about everyone experiences it differently. And is there some role that um, family history plays or... Um, my my uh, race or ethnicity plays in how I experience or may experience menopause? Sure. So there's some really good studies now um, come out, the Swan study and some of the other studies, which show that um, ethnicity has a huge role to play in it. So um, the Black population, Hispanic population, followed by the Caucasian population has the worst or the most symptoms, not the worst, but the most symptoms and then the East Asians, and especially the Japanese population, has the least. So there's an ethnic, definitely an ethnic variation with. So again, that has to be taken into context. The other thing is family history. So if your mother had really bad hot flashes, you may also have the same. The third thing is socioeconomic status. So people who, you know, depending upon where they are in the socioeconomic status, that has a huge role to play. Stress also has a big role to play. So stress usually triggers hot flashes and night sweats, chronic stress. So all of these factors basically can increase the severity of the symptoms. So again, we have to take that into context and say, what is going on with your with your life? What are all the social factors affecting you? And how can we reduce some of the triggers? Are there any symptoms or, or um, that a person may experience that are of greatest concern? Sure. So so some of the big symptoms are the hot flashes and night sweats. The hot flashes because people are now more productive and, you know, it affects your work, it affects your self-esteem. Imagine you are in a meeting and you're, and you're doing a presentation and suddenly you start sweating. It is extremely embarrassing um, and it prevents people from being their most productive selves. Um, studies have shown that it does decrease productivity. The second thing is sleep. Sleep is a very big part in perimenopause and menopause. Sleep really gets affected. And 
that also reduces their productivity to a huge extent. One of the big things also is that mood tends, some people who have underlining mood disorder, sometimes they tend to get worse in menopause and perimenopause, probably exacerbated by the lack of sleep. And so it's important to kind of take that into perspective and say, how is your mood? Are you getting more angry? Are you getting more upset? Are you getting more depressed? Let's reach out to your psychiatrist and see if, you know, there's anything that they think. So again, all of these symptoms, you know, kind of, especially the mood symptoms kind of sometimes are very similar to, to other mental health challenges. So I always tell people, I said, let's not just put everything to menopause and perimenopause, but let's take, you know, let's, let's take everything into and figure out, you know, where you are and how can we help you. Could you talk more about menopause and the impact it has on mental health? Definitely. So, so most people tend to have right before their cycles, there's a drop in the hormones, right? There's a drop in the estrogen. And most people have some premenstrual symptoms, like they feel a little sad before the cycle. They feel a little moody. Now with menopause and menopause, also there's a drop in the hormones. Sometimes it gets exacerbated. Again, you know, there's a lot of science that still needs to be done. So so sometimes they feel like their premenstrual symptoms are much worse in perimenopause. They feel a lot more anxious. Um, and also there are some studies, again, a lot has to be done, but they feel like sometimes depression tends to get, people who have underlying depression, it tends to get worse. So all of these things, some, for some reason, they tend to get worse. And they're also exacerbated by the lack of sleep. So there are a couple of different factors that kind of go into people feeling like the symptoms are getting worse. And what are some ways people can take action to support their mental health? Who could they talk to? What kind of routine shifts could they add in to better support themselves during this time? What I usually, I the whole thing is about educating them and validating them. Saying what you're feeling is real. Let me talk to your psychiatrist. And let them know what's going on. Maybe your medication needs to be, you know, tapered a little bit or adjusted a little bit. So usually, I usually, I'll message this. You know, that's the good thing with, with us, with our system being so integrated is that I can reach out to the psychiatrist and say, oh, it seems like her symptoms are getting worse. And I'm not sure if it's all hormonal, but can you please talk to her and see if it can be adjusted? Um, sometimes, you know, I also, I also tell them, talk to your therapist and make sure that you follow up with them. I also stress the importance of diet and exercise. So, you know, it's important that when, you know, where that for the dopamine release, you know, we know exercise is helps with underlining mood disorders. So incorporate 20 minutes of exercise every day. Make sure your diet is really good. You're eating a lot of unprocessed food, fruits, vegetables. If you have some, uh, you know, incorporate some meditation into your routine. If you have some spirituality practice, you know, put that into action. So really trying to kind of, you know, give them tips, melatonin. If you're having sleep issues, you know, let's see if you can take some melatonin at night. Uh, sleep hygiene. I talk a lot about sleep hygiene. So these are some of the little things or maybe big things that help them kind of once they start understanding the whole picture, then they also more, um, then they can take action and are better advocates of their health. Dr. Kathari, I have to admit that the idea of menopause, as I'm sure 
um, many people have felt this way can be, you know, it, it's scary, you know, just to, you know, be candid about it. And I'm not sure exactly what I can do to prepare for those changes. What would you suggest um, that I do to make sure that I'm ready for that time? So there's the couple of things that I tell people. One is the biggest thing is to be advocate for your for yourself, is to talk to your physician and find a physician who listens to you. And ask them, say, what changes am I going to face as I get into my 40s? Can you I I have a I have a diagram with all the changes and I show them the picture and they say, What are you facing? And they'll be like, one, one, this is what I'm facing. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is what. And then I educate them. I'm like, this is what's going to, this is what's happening. But don't get scared. We will work through it. And But the most important thing is to advocate, to get educated on what you're going to face. And then talk to your physician and say, this is what, and find someone who will listen to you. And make sure that they, they, they give you the right options. Because it's not about being, it's a lot of people get scared because it's the fear of the unknown. But once we know what we are going through, we are much more empowered to take action, right? And in the spirit of taking control of your own health and having this partnered conversation with your physician, what medical management options are there for menopause symptoms? So again, it depends upon the severity of the symptoms and what kind of symptoms you are facing, right? If I give you an example, if someone comes in saying, I'm having minimal hot flashes, but I'm waking up a lot at night because I'm having some night sweats. So I will give them the options. I'll say, let's try some non-hormonal natural options. How about you bump up your exercise and diet and come back to me in three months? But if someone's having very severe symptoms, then I will put forward the medical options. So the non-hormonal options would be some of the antidepressants like fluoxetine, paroxetine, Prozac, um, you know, in, in layman's term, actually does work for hot flashes. The second is um, options such as gabapentin also work. If they do not want to explore these options or the symptoms are really bad or that they feel like they also have underlining osteoporosis and then I talk to them about hormone replacement therapy. I say hormone replacement therapy is safe as long as it's monitored well and we make sure that we are looking at the risk versus benefits. And I educate them on the HRT, which is called the menopausal hormone therapy or the HRT, which is estrogen and progesterone. And there are a lot of very, very safe bioidentical FDA-approved products that we have on the market. It usually comes in a patch. So the estrogen is a patch and the progesterone is a tablet. And I again reevaluate them in three months. I start them on a middle-of-the-road dose, check in three months, see how you're doing. You like it, don't like it, let's tweak it, stop it, or, you know, add something else to it. So again, it's a, we have a lot of good options, uh, both hormonal and non-hormonal. How would you approach a patient who is feeling like they've tried a few different things, um, but they're not exactly seeing results the way they would like, or um, they're kind of struggling to manage their symptoms? 
So if they have already tried, um, I'm I'm open to starting them on the hormone replacement therapy. I basically go through the risks and benefits. I start them on a low-dose patch, which is a bi-weekly or a weekly patch, along with a progesterone at night. And it's, you know, for people who have moderate to severe, it works really, really well. I tell them it's going to, the important thing is to start the hormone replacement therapy. The safest point to start the HRT is as close to menopause as possible. The guidelines say that you started before 60 and within 10 years of menopause. And that's the point where the maximum benefits because it protects your bones, it protects your heart, it reduces all the symptoms. So there are a lot of health benefits in addition to quality of life issues. So start it early, start if you have bad symptoms, talk to your physician, start it close to menopause. Once they get over 60 or they're more than 10 years from menopause, then, you know, then the benefits start becoming less as compared to the risk. So again, that has to be taken into consideration. The other thing with hormone replacement therapy is we have to make sure that they don't have any contraindications, like they don't have a history of breast cancer, they are not smokers, they have well-controlled hypertension, they don't have a history of blood clots or strokes. That's very important to make sure that you really take a detailed history. We calculate the cardiovascular score, which is called the ASCVD score. Once we take all of these into action, we say, okay, you know, you're you're young, you're healthy, you're 50, you have no issues. Let's start you on the HRT and see how you do. And then follow them up closely. How does a person's medical history impact their experience with menopause? One example is a patient who has, who has a history of breast cancer. For them, they are usually on some medications and estrogen, any, any form of estrogen is contraindicated. But they're also on medications such as tamoxifen, which actually increases their um, hot flashes and night sweats. So while they are having a loss of estrogen, they cannot take anything because it is contraindicated. In these cases, there are new medications. There's a new one on the market called Vioza which is actually directly targets the neurons that cause the hot flashes. We can also uh, give them antidepressants such as uh, Prozac, which also helps with hot flashes. So again, there is something for everyone. It's just important to bring it up to your physicians and for the physicians to talk to them so we can help them improve their quality of life. But that's my main thing is to say there's something for everyone. Please advocate for yourself and let us know how you're feeling so we can help you in a way that works for you. Dr. Kathari, could you speak some more about the vaginal dryness symptoms and what the impact may be from that? Sure. So that's a big part. As we progress through menopause, perimenopause, and on to life, the vaginal dryness tends to become more and more and more. So a lot of times people will stop having the hot flashes, the night sweats, but this is progressive because of the lack of the estrogen in the vaginal tissue. And so what it leads to is a lot of dryness, pain. It's like our skin that has not been moisturized for like 10 days. It's very similar because ultimately it's mucosa. And so it's very important for for our members to talk to their physicians and say, you know, look, I'm having a lot of pain with sex or I'm having a lot of itching or dryness or recurrent urinary tract infections. In that case, we usually do local like vaginal hormones. We don't need systemic hormones. We do local vaginal hormones, which is very low risk. 
you just put one gram of the cream in the vagina twice a week and it is it it really really helps the important part also is that for our older patients uh, or our older members like in the 80s or 90s they have a lot of recurrent urinary tract infections because of the decrease in the estrogen in the tissue this leads to a lot of morbidity and mortality so it's not only for people who are sexually active but for everyone that they need to realize that you know if they're having a lot of symptoms they need to talk to their physicians because this can be prevented what's great is it sounds like there's um a lot of options and that there's a huge effort to really meet people where they are is that correct that's exactly correct i mean you have to you have to meet people where they are and come to an in between point um i'm not there to tell you what to take i'm there to give you all your options and help you make a informed decision because you know we all have our own uh biases uh, you know our social conditioning and there you know, certain things and you know as long as i'm giving you the right education and i want to meet you in the midpoint while you are safe that's my most important thing is you are safe and i'm willing to work with you so the first thing i tell patients is i am here to work with you i'm not here to tell you what to do and i will keep working with you till you feel better and you are safe thank you for that answer dr kathari so as i'm maybe approaching this time or starting to experience some of these symptoms from perimenopause is there a way that i can gain the support of my family and others as i go through this process oh sure so a couple of different ways so uh, we actually did a podcast for salon owners where we were talking about this and it was very interesting one one of the things that came out was um friends and community so you have your own group of friends who was in the 40s to 50s start talking to them and saying you know what what are you facing and once you start talking about it there'll be a lot of people who are willing to just share their experiences so your community of friends is the most important thing because they will validate you and they will let you know look we are going through the same journey as you are the second thing is to involve your partner or your husband or whoever your significant other is and educate them saying this is what i'm going through you know this is our shared journey because it affects our quality of life and it's amazing as once they start talking about it to their partners they partner suddenly it's like a lot of times it's an aha moment oh now i see why you are having all these mood changes or why you're so upset so again it's not only educating yourself but also people around you there are also a lot of good resources um that people can um a dive into like a podcast there's a great podcast called you are not broken uh by dr kelly casperson where she and you know you can say oh you know you can tell your partner oh can you listen to this with me it's a 30 minute podcast it's not too long but track load of information so again being open is more important and not you know giving them little sound bites right oh this is i spoke to my doctor about this today and this is what i'm facing and a lot of people are pretty clued in they just don't they just don't have the language to um to articulate and say oh now i get it and would you recommend bringing like a partner with you to an appointment 
Yeah, I always tell people, I said, if you're comfortable, you are the boss, you are the patient, you are the member, bring whoever in, you know, you want with you and who can share your experiences or chime in. And a lot of times they do get their uh, partners uh, or their husbands or their significant others uh, to understand. Like yesterday I had a patient who got her husband in. And they both make the, made an informed decision about about her starting the HRT. And he was very much he he was very much in tune with what was happening. So again, yeah, I always encourage if if they are comfortable, please bring whoever they want to mother, sister, husband, whoever. And Dr. Kathari, um, on the note of finding you know, ways to feel supported, where can people go to find reliable resources on menopause, whether that's for themselves or to find resources they can share with their partners and families. So there is on the um, on the NAMS or the North American Menopause Society, there's actually a menopause guidebook for patients, for members. That's a really, really good resource. It's simple, it's short, and it has a lot of good information, which is valid and tested. Um, and studied. The second is the podcast I said, You Are Not Broken, which has a lot of good podcasts. And there are a couple of other books. There's a book by Emily Nagoski called Come As You Are, which is more about, about sexual health, but it also ties into perimenopause, menopause. So these are a couple of good resources. Our listeners can find these and other menopause resources in the description for this episode. Dr. Kathari and Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure to speak with both of you. It was great to be here. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you check back in with us for future episodes on wellness topics and specials covering specific areas of health. This has been Talking for the Health of It, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>